So that's one of the things like when it comes to ownership, we have to understand and 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 I wholeheartedly agree with Aisha said. We got to understand you got to own stuff, right? If you own it, you no one can take it from you. But if you are in a position to be able to uplift, you you gotta you you can't just continuously. Well, we don't own this. We don't own that. With it, there's no there's there's none of this available to us. That we can't do this. Go open it. Leaders need constant developing. It might be on the personal side of development or the professional side, but essentially the work that you do on yourself will benefit how you show up as a leader in the home as well as within the workplace. Check out these testimonials from some clients I've worked with in the past and make sure you book your session soon. They want to continue on this journey because it has been very beneficial for me. Um, like I said, I'm not the same person. I don't feel like I'm the same person I was five weeks ago. How I fit your strategic goal. And they're like, wow, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that does. I mean, I'll, I, I'm glad I'm glad you got me there because that's, that's good. So I feel it was accurate. Like, what, what's your feedback? I think it was definitely accurate. Thank you so All much. Right. This was fantastic. You're welcome. You're welcome. And you have period. Like, how do you feel now? I do want to be successful in my business. Um, I need to work on me. I'm like, I'm happy right now. I am. I'm, That's this is good. good. So what are you waiting for? Schedule your session today. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire. And things are about to switch up for 2021 because Internal Fire presents the act and lead series called Rise or Fall. Me and my amazing squad, Corey Sigu and Tyrus Shivers, have been giving and providing this great content for the past few months. So now we are bringing it to internal fire. So y'all buckle up for these great nuggets, for this great information that's going to help you in business, in leadership, in business systems, in every aspect of what you're doing in organizations, everything from diversity, equity, inclusion, to how to build a team, lessons we can learn from these major brands and these major companies. So as always, get your notepads, get ready for this message from the Rise and Fall series from Act leadership and management consulting. Today we are talking about Nick Cannon and just to give you a little background of what these episodes or what these live sessions are about, we're talking about the rise of the or the fall. Um, and these are companies and brands and individuals who have hit some bumps in the road and now they're at a transition point. And what we do is we assess that company, that brand, to identify the gaps, to identify, okay, these are some remedies, and this is how they could potentially rise. But also, if they don't remedy these areas, they could potentially continue to fall. And that's what we want to prevent. We want to prevent, we want to prevent companies from falling. We want you to rise because businesses are going to hit bumps in the road. Companies are going to have those shaky moments, but you can pivot effectively if you utilize the right tools or hire Act and Lead Consulting, all right? Act and Lead Leadership and Management Consulting to support you, but we can support you on this um, on this journey of rising again. So I'm about to pitch it to my fellow, my fellow executive coach, uh, Tyra Shivers, to kind of talk a little bit more about why we're focusing on the, the canon and talking about what's going on um, so we can really assess um, how that brand can pivot effectively. Absolutely. So... 
we're talking about Nick Cannon. And for everybody who's not familiar, Nick Cannon has become a powerhouse and kind of that entertainment show hosting. Has his own show, Wild and Out. He's on The Mass Singer. He's done America's Got Talent. So we know that Nick Cannon, out of his movies and his music, he has quickly become a household name. And he has his own podcast and YouTube show. And what happened was on his Cannon's class, they were starting to talk about some conspiracy theories surrounding the Jewish community. And so those comments kind of came out as anti-Semitic. And he was removed. So he was removed from Wild and Out. That is owned by Viacom CBS. And now we just want to discuss the kind of fall that Nick Cannon, because he's he's risen. I mean, he has skyrocketed. But now he's on that downfall. And where does he go from here? So his comments were really just conspiracy theories. And what Viacom said was, you know, we condemn bigotry of any kind and we categorically denounce all forms of anti-Semitism. So they wrote that statement. They said they spoke with Nick Cannon about the episode on his podcast, which promoted hateful speech and spread anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. They're deeply troubled that Nick has failed to acknowledge or apologize for perpetuating anti-Semitism and we are terminating our relationship with him. So even though we may have thought that Nick Cannon owned Wild and Out since he was kind of that creator and that creative force behind it, he did not own it. It, it wasn't it. So what do you guys think oh, about it? Have you heard about it? Let's talk and discuss a little bit about what's going on with Nick Cannon. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll kick it off. I mean, you know, what did he say? Did he say what was on his mind yet? Should, could he have posed that in a better way? Absolutely. Because one of the things that you have to think about is if we're really trying to get rid of, and I've been, I've been doing this exercise with a lot of people, like we talk about racism and we talk about like, you know, uh, different cultures or like anti whatever. Right. Um, if you switch for some of y'all out there, y'all, y'all immediately hear the word racism and then you, you shut down, you build the wall and then you're like, Oh, I'm not trying to hear anything you're saying. Right. Because I heard this term the other day and said, you know what? People are just trying to play the victim and I'm tired of them playing the victim role. Right. But let's go ahead and replace racism with wrongdoing or like incorrect treatment or something term like that. Because like if the, if the racism hits your heart too hard, then go ahead and use that term. So let's just talk about wrongdoing, right? If we're going to talk about, we talked about Black Lives Matter. We talked about, we talked about Ellen, the things that she said with, you know, with minorities, like being under underrepresented, uh, LGBTQ community, all this type of stuff, right? But it, the, for me, it's, it's still not okay for, uh, yes, we're bringing light to like, let's say Black Lives Matter. Let's say we're bringing it for, you know, the underrepresentation within corporate uh, entities it's still not okay for then you to go exude the same behavior. And so he should have, honestly, you got to have the right people around you. We talked about it before, like your team, right? You got to put your team around you. You, you had this conversation with somebody who also looks like you, right? What if the role was reversed? And what if, um, I don't know, Ed Milet, what if, um, you know, I'm trying to think about other, other podcasts or like maybe like the, the white male producer or whatnot. Right. Um, what if we would have turned that into 
them having a conversation about what they thought about, you know, black people should have been done, what they should have talked to, what they thought about, you know, Jews should have done or the Jewish community should be doing, what they think about the Asian community should be doing. We would be absolutely outraged and we would be sitting here saying, how dare they have that conversation, right? So you gotta be mindful, like when you have these conversations, should he have had, and I think I think he did it, one of y'all correct me, I think he did it already. He went back on the show or something, or he did like a he did like a release and he actually had a rabbi on the show. That should have been done from the jump, right? So I'm gonna have this conversation with someone who can educate me. So if I speak out of line, hey, he's gonna put me back in line, right? But it's a little bit different dynamic when you're having a conversation with an individual who one, the I think the guy's name is Mr. Griff, if if that was right. He got kicked out of um out of uh what was the music group back in the day? He got kicked out the music group for doing the same thing. So yep. you, it, it's just optically, it's not the right conversation to have when you, you're sitting down, you're having a conversation with somebody who got in trouble for doing the same thing, and you're having a conversation about something that, yes, you might internally be educated. And a lot of things that Nick Cannon talks about, he is educated on, and you can tell. But also when it comes to like the racial sensitivity, culture sensitivity, and all that stuff, have somebody on that show that can check you if you're saying the wrong thing. Because if that little tweak happened and he's saying all these things and that rabbi is on the show and he says, you know what? I do agree with it. How much backlash could he have gotten because of that? Right. You got somebody on the show from that community saying, no, you're right. So I just think that they could have had some tweaks, you know, done in it. Um, But, yeah, I'm going to let y'all I'm going to let y'all take it away because I I just think there's a couple of different things that he could have done. And we're not even talking about this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I I think what you brought up was a good point. Um, We have to realize that, you know, a lot of us talk about freedom of speech and we all have that. But essentially, when we're working for an organization and we're not entrepreneurs or business owners, we're not the CEO. And even if we are, we have to recognize that, yes, we have the freedom of speech, but each company and all companies out there, CEOs, organizations that are listening, you definitely want to have your values. Um, You want to have, especially during the season, there are now individuals, your clients that are looking for you to stand for something. What are your views on this? What are your views on that? So essentially, you want to have that within your mission and um, your values of your company. But if you do work for an organization, speak however you want. It is freedom of speech. But essentially, if that does not align with your company, the company you work for, you could potentially lose your job. That is the reality. I serve in the United States Air Force. I love it. I'm proud of it. But I have to recognize that if I go on a tirade online to spew all my views about certain things, I even have certain feelings and views about a lot of things that are happening within the African-American community. But I have to voice it strategically because essentially I have to realize that I still serve in the United States Air Force. I am someone that is proud to serve America. I, you know, the, you know, the whole thing about the flag, like the flag to me means something different to me. I'm not bothered if somebody kneels, but I can understand why someone else is like, it's just different views that I'm very kind of like uh, sensitive to from both sides. And I understand both sides, but I'm not one of those people that, um, 
are going to go out there and just start spewing a bunch of things and sharing a bunch of things because essentially I know that my body, <laughs> I belong to the U.S. Air Force and I have to be mindful because they have certain values. They have certain things that they say, listen, you are an airman 24-7. So because you're an airman 24-7, I think we lost Corey. Because you're an airman 24-7, you have to be mindful of what you do. You have to be mindful about what you say. You have to be mindful about how you conduct yourself. So we have to always have that when we're thinking about how we conduct ourselves if we're an employee. And again, if you're a CEO, the same thing for you. Yes, it could be your company. You can go out and say whatever you say, but that might have an effect on your employees and now your team members don't wanna work for you. It might have an effect on your clientele. Now your clientele does not want to buy from you, really connect with you in regards to your services because of the things you say, what you stand for. So we have to really make sure that on both sides, we have to really consider, hey, education, you know, whatever we're putting information out there, there is such thing as fake news. That's the reality. I know that's like a buzzword, but there are certain information out there that isn't legit. We want to make sure we're um, educated when we speak on things, but also recognize that before I post this, before I spew this information, and we say this to our kids, don't we? Hey, baby, before you post that on there, just know when you apply for this college, they might look at the historical information and say, we don't want you to go here or apply for this job. We need to do the same thing as adults and recognize how this could affect your job, your well-being, your company, because again, freedom of speech, it's out there, but essentially what could it affect? So um, I think that that's, that's one aspect of it. We have to make sure that our company values are solid. We have an accountability process in case that someone does something that's Someone does spew um, something negative out there. Of course, we heard about the lady, uh, the, you know, I know her name, Amy, Amy Cooper, who did what she did in New York. And she called the police on that gentleman who was just bird watching. We heard about execs that have been fired. So unfortunately, yes, I, I, I could understand that this platform is Nick Cannon's in a way. And what he says is what he says. But essentially, if we're going to keep the same energy if this was someone else that was white, that was speaking on black issues, somebody that was Asian, that was speaking on issues in regards to people from India or from the Indian background or people talking about Africa. If we're going to be at an uproar, if they say something, let's fire them, let's get rid of them. We need to keep that same energy with Nick Cannon. Again, I love Nick Cannon. I love what he's doing. But essentially, we have to if we're going to hold one person accountable, we have to be able to hold everybody accountable. So. Back to you, Taurus, on that one. But again, really make sure that you are thinking about your company values, your accountability process. And again, if you're an employee or a CEO, realize that what you say could potentially affect who wants to work for you, who wants to buy from you, and it could shut down your entire business. And that's good. Um, that's a lot of information that you unpack. And what I take from that is, one strategic communication, knowing what you're going to say and who is going to affect. Now, if you have ownership and it's yours, you can make those decisions. We all know that there are radio shows and um, podcasts that they spew their own theories and they have their own shows and they have their own following. But when you don't own something, <laughs> he owns Cannon's class. That's his. Wild and Out is not his. It's owned by Viacom. Viacom's president and chief executive officer, officer Robert Bikash of Bakish is a white male. Alice Burkett is the executive vice president, white male. George Cheeks, <laughs> he is the president and chief executive officer of CBS Entertainment Group, 
white male. So when you're looking at the ownership of Viacom CBS, I believe it's because the two corporations or two organizations joined the only, there are two black females on that entire management list. And it's probably 20 people on it. Nick has to realize that I have bosses that don't necessarily look like me. How are they going to either interact or what will they think? What will they say? What will they do if I have an opinion that's not necessarily shared by them? And, you know, last week we talked a lot about bias. Even when we're not aware of our biases, we tend to agree with those who look like us. And it takes a conscious, deliberate, intentional effort to think outside of that and to really see, okay, Nick was expressing his viewpoints from some things that may have circulated around his community. They don't care about that. They care about, okay, we're serving a wide variety of people and maybe some of them have Jewish family members, friends, counterparts, investors. These companies have boards and investors. So they're not just looking out for the employee, so to speak. They're looking out for the shareholder. And Nick Cannon is an employee. Your opinion really doesn't count. And I think that when he was upset, you know, he asked for Wild and Out. You should give me my company. I built it. It should be my give me ownership. That's the type of stuff that you got to handle up front in your contract. Um, one of y'all take that away. What do we think about contracts? Nick Cannon not having ownership in a show that he really built. Yeah, I mean, it, it happens every day in corporate America, right? Um, that's your intellectual property. And you sign these NDAs, you sign these uh, non-disclosure agreements, right? That, you know, whatever you create within this company, it's mine. I, I own this because you work for me. And those are the types of things where you have to protect yourself sometimes. And in his realm, it's a little bit easy. And I know there's probably some people listening that saying, well, I work for Chase Bank or I work for whoever. Right. And I, I can't necessarily tell them this is my information. Let's go sign a contract because I can keep it right. I can't necessarily do that. He has a little bit more flexibility because in the entertainment industry, you can negotiate that type of contract. You can put forth the, the wording that says, hey, if I ever got to go take this show somewhere else, I own the rights to, you know, the platform, the name the 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 layout of whatever the show is so i get it to a certain level can we walk into a building at an everyday job and say this is mine and it, it's happened to me before i roll out a process maybe that process isn't correct right now and then all of a sudden like about a month later two months later six months later they're like man that department's really booming right now and i'm like oh so what y'all do oh Oh, yeah, we started doing X, we started doing Y, we started doing Z. And it's like, oh, sounds real familiar, right? But you can't say anything because you created that under the scope of that company. So you got to be mindful of like when you start to create these things, you know, you're pouring into a company just realizing that you can't quite come back if you've never negotiated that, if you've never signed any papers and just just be outraged and say, well, it's mine. Why, why can't I have it, right? So it would be up to Nick Cannon, I mean, honestly, at this point to say, yes, although, like Tyra said, although you built it, you're an employee. And, you know, whether you work, to be honest with you, whether you work at a gas station, you came up with a new process, you work for Exxon Mobil and you came up with this new groundbreaking thing as an engineer. I mean, it's theirs. 
So you got to be mindful of like how you position yourself. You're in a position like that where, yes, you've grown this show, but also, like you said, Tyrus, you, you got to understand you're still an employee. Joe Budden talked about it himself, too. He said because he he was responding to uh, Charlemagne, the God who's on the Breakfast Club. Uh, it's a New York radio station. Right. He responded to him and he said, so they, I guess they were having a back and forth about his show. And he said, I own this. So whatever I say, this is mine. Whatever I do, this is mine. He said, you work for iHeartRadio. Your show is through iHeartRadio. So you can't take iHeartRadio out of the equation and then just be like, I'm going to go do my own thing. Something that even came up, too, was now I think it's through iHeartRadio. Charlemagne now has his own podcast, I think, talking about racial inequality and all that stuff. Right. But at the end of the day, realize who owns that. Right. iHeartRadio. Joe Budden says, this is mine. I can I can stop it. I can start it. I can monetize it however I want to. That is my platform, right? And so that that's when you start to get into that that realm of do you want to take the time to build it yourself? And it's going to take some time because it's different than than entering a structure who has all of the the resources already or do I want to join the structure who has the resources and build something really good? You just, you can't be mad when something goes wrong. And the people who pay you are like, yeah, that's not going to fly here. So, yeah, I just think I just think it, it, you're right, Tyrus. You got to understand you're, st you're still an employee at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think that we also have to talk about expectations. Um, I did a training and we talked about that. Um, a lot of times we have these expectations that we've never communicated. Um, I talked about expectations being realistic. We can have realistic expectation and unrealistic. And in order for you to have realistic expectations, you have to take the feelings out of it and look at the facts and identify and make sure that you've had the conversations with all parties involved. Okay, if you go into a company and you know you have this great idea that you wanna launch, when you're interviewing, when you're having that conversation, ask those questions. What happens in most interviews? They always ask what? Do you have any questions for us? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, no. Or you might ask, like, maybe the, those generic questions from a list that you found. But a lot of times when we're interviewing for a job, we're looking at it like, hire me. But we have to also go into organizations and companies and say, are you a good fit for me? Okay. I, I look such a great asset. I need to make sure that I, that you're a good fit for me instead of, oh, I need you to know that I'm a good fit for you. So, Really make sure that when it comes to expectations for the organizations you work with, the partnerships that you connect with, like even for us, when we built this and started coming up with these ideas, we had a conversation. Hey, what is the bag going to look like? OK, how is it going to be split? OK, if we come up with a idea, how are we going to be able to do this? Like We talked about the nitty gritty in the beginning. So if you plan on going into a company and creating a partnership or going in and you know you have this amazing product, have those conversations. And a lot of us might feel uncomfortable asking that question in the beginning, like, OK, if I bring this in, um, can I get a cut of it? Because you don't want to make that be the reason why you don't get the job. But then on the other side, be open to understand that because you didn't ask that question, that that company can say, we never said that you will get a piece of this. If you create it and it's embedded here, it's embedded here. Like it's no... I mean, we, we, we never said in the beginning that we were going to give you a cut of you implementing this new program or this process. 
Um, so that just make sure that's something that you're uh, discussing with your team members, not with your team members, but something you're discussing with, you know, the people that you're in partnership with. Um, maybe when you're, you know, sitting down with your leadership and you're having that conversation and say, hey, I plan on creating this program. Is there a way to create a partnership? And then again, realize that when you think about expectations, make sure they're realistic because you have the conversations, you've gotten the clear understanding. So when things go awry, you're not like, okay, well, um, no one ever made me a promise or, or I didn't assume that this was going to happen. And I think a lot of us go into things with assumptions. So what Tyra said made, made a lot of sense when you're talking about contracting, or if you have this great thing that you're going to put together and you're in a partnership, maybe you're a CEO and it's like three of you guys and you guys are coming together and you're like, you know, co-founding something, have those co conversations in the beginnings, create that structure, those values, even when you're hiring people in. Okay, if we do want somebody to come in and build this program, we need to make sure that our contracting, the verbiage on the ad is right, because I need them to know that you're not getting a cut of this. Okay, <laughs> if you create this, it is what it is. So, again, as we're rebuilding our, or as we're creating companies, because maybe you're somebody that's thinking about going into entrepreneurship or starting a business, um, as you're restructuring your companies, really make sure that you are thinking about these things as you go. Because again, the needs of the future generation is different. They're looking for that constant feedback. They're looking for more input. But when they give that input, it needs to be clear, you ain't getting the cut of this. you know. And that's just the reality of it. So Again, we need to make sure our uh, expectations are realistic versus unrealistic. And I think a lot of us assume things without having a conversation. And then unfortunately, we're a little upset when things don't go the way that we expected, even though it was an assumption. Mm, that's yeah, watch this. Watch this, though. Check this out. So I was just about to say that, you know, we work with these small businesses, too. Right. So in the transition of the small business, a lot of those people say like one of the things that we're training people on like what are you doing currently right so everybody's like what's this gift i want to find my gift i want to you know figure out what it is that i need to be doing right well what are you doing right now what do you have the most experience in and so i was talking to an individual he said well i've been shadowing the the company owner for this right for like the last three years and we've been getting close and so he said like i want y'all to catch this as a level of ownership that will never be yours unless you actually negotiate that don't just hope that it will happen, right? Like, don't just pray that maybe one day I'll get this thing. The the individual told me, he said, I've been, I've been shadowing this owner. He's been teaching me the business. He's been teaching me the ins and outs and everything, right? And then the next thing he said was, he's old right now. Maybe by the time it's time for him to retire, he'll give me the business. I said, pause. Maybe. Stop. Right. But, but listen, who's going to give their business up, right? Who is going to give the, the baby that they built into this thing, right? So you said maybe, uh, Aisha, it's not at all, right? Why? Because they have kids. They have grandkids. They got family members. They have they have closer friends than you, my friend. Like, there are things that is just not going to happen unless you actually build it. And so with that particular individual, we have to think about it. And, and I'm, I thought about it as we were talking through Nick Cannon, right? Like, you don't really own it. You you come here thinking that you're you're kind of owed something, right? I helped build it, right? Yeah, you might have helped, you know, this man build his business or whatever, right? But there's a level of work that he put into this, or there's a level of back end stuff that they put into. It. You're never going to get the level of ownership, right? Because these things are built to whoever Viacom's owner is, whoever um, what's the what's the who who owned the the Wild and Out? I think it was Viacom who owned the the podcast. He owns the podcast. 
Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he's going through somebody, right? No, it's his. Yes, yeah, he is. Oh, okay. So well, let's just talk Viacom then, right? Viacom, whoever's at the top, the person way at the top of that, they 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 have kids, they got friends, they got cousins, sisters, they got whoever, right? That they're going, I'm not giving this to you. I'm going to give, you know what? If somebody wants to take over a while and now I got a, I got a, uh, I got a son, I got a daughter over here that would love to say that they would own Wild and Out right now. So they're not just going to give that stuff up. And you got to realize, especially for our small business owners, like I'm saying, this is, this is something that we would charge you for right now, but I'm giving you the game. You lost sound, Corey. Can you hear him? No, I can't. <laughs> you lost sound. No. Ooh, see, you know what? It wasn't meant for him to share that, right? You know, he said he's gonna get y'all free game. It wasn't meant for him to share that. But now, what he's saying is 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 really good. <laughs> Go ahead, Tyrus. So while Corey is coming back, we um thinking about the Nick Cannon thing, and think I want to unpack Aisha what you were talking about that expectation, that proper expectation, that setup. It's a step and it's a phase process. I think what happens is most of the time when we join companies and as company owners, when you hire people, you're not really setting those proper expectations. You have your core values, your mission statement, your purpose, but it's in a binder. And is it really real? Is it really being read? And I can say from personal experience, I remember getting thick employee handbook packets and not flipping through the thing at all. So I'm not, I'm not even aligning myself truly with the organization because I'm there to get a check. And I think a lot of people, especially higher ups, are there to get a check. Even if you, okay, I got paid for creating this intellectual property, I'm not really dived or deep with the organization. So I don't have the same or share the same values. And I would like for people, for employees, for companies, for CEOs to start to actually get with the people, the right people in your organizations that share the right values. Then I feel like these issues won't happen as often as they are. How do you figure that out? We offer a great organizational health check where people can go through in your organization and give a checklist of how do they feel? How is leadership? Is there diversity? Is there inclusion? How are all these things lined up? And then you can begin to use assessments like the DISC assessment or values or attributes to figure out, do these people share the same values I do for my company? You're not just hiring people to come make you money. You're hiring people that share in the same mission and the purpose. And if they do that, then all of these differences and opinions won't be so great. And it won't be a, well, Nick said this on his show. But he must forgot that he represents Viacom CBS. Well, no, he didn't really think about it. He was representing his own interests, and it just happens to conflict with yours. Corey, you back? Uh, no. Nope. Still can't hear Corey. <laughs> when he tried to get a game, it won't let him. 
It won't let them listen. You got you got to bring us on. But no, I mean, I think you have a very great point. I think we talked about it last time. Um, you have these major companies who start to branch off and start to have like little, you know, bits and pieces here. So for instance, um, like you talked about Charlemagne, he's created this, you know, this podcast like team. He's in partnership because he said I'm in partnership with iHeart and he has this group of, you know, podcasters that are going to be under this. Um, it's really, you know, focused on the African-American community. Right. So a lot of the hosts are from the African-American community. Well, essentially, um, the conversations that were occurring between um, iHeart and Charlemagne in the negotiations. OK, essentially just know that, yes, we have freedom of speech. We want you guys to talk about whatever, but essentially know that this, 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 right? And I think a lot of times when these subsets are happening, that's a perfect time for you to have diversity inclusion training. That's a perfect time to have those conversations about company values. Let's talk again about the company values. Let's make sure that it's all in line, right? Because we don't want to run into a situation where we had a conversation and unfortunately in the conversation, it wasn't necessarily clear or um, there was a missing piece that we uh, were missing where we did not talk specifically about the values of the company and making sure everything is aligned. So I think that when you see those, when you're creating subsets, that's a perfect time to go over the value. Yes, you you um, pass over that employee handbook, but don't be reactive. Okay, let's let's turn to page 23 because something happened. What can you create in your maybe your monthly check-ins, your weekly check-ins, um, maybe during the employee review time, um, your coaching that you're doing with your team members? What can you embed when you are reminding individuals, hey, be mindful about what you post on social media. Be remember that the values stand for this, okay? A service before self, excellence in all you do, like all that great stuff that the Air Force tells you. Make sure that you're conducting yourself in this way, like just setting that as a reminder versus it being, here's an employee handbook or here's an annual um, CVT, computer-based training that you got to take. And you hope that the person remembers everything. Even in the military, before somebody deploys, they have to go through all that training again. Why? Because they want that information to be fresh. They want them to be new. They want it to be prepared. So when you're deploying something new in your company, deploying new subsets, what are you doing to make sure that you do a refresher? Do something where you're talking about company values and all those different things to ensure that you don't run into these issues later on. Because I think, I think this is one of those conversations that maybe we forget to have with our team members where we talk about company values and talking about the mission and the vision and making sure that we're constantly functioning in the aspect where those things align versus, again, the assumptions or, oh, I just didn't know. Well, it's on page 23. You're fired. What kind of conversations are you having as a leader to make sure your team members are, again, aware of these things so you don't run into these issues later? You back now, Corey? No? <laughs> okay, back to you, Tyrus. <laughs> so I'm thinking about what you said and how it's so true, and it just goes into being proactive versus reactive. Even the largest of the organizations or the biggest largest companies seem to be reactive ellen something was said something was done then oh now we're going to take away the show bring in diversity inclusion training and now bring her back why is it does it seem that all of these companies are just reactive why is it this if they so-called have and aisha i want you to answer this question and think about it do you think if we were in a different 
period of time, would people still, or would these things still be happening? Because years ago, there was no cancel culture. There was no, we're going to end your show. There was no real attack on the corporation. Now these companies seem to be, okay, we're going to fire. I mean, Nick Cannon said what he said, and it was a couple of days later, he was gone. There isn't even a retraining process. It's a, we're just immediately going to fire you. So I'm trying to figure out if these companies are being reactive just because of the culture, the time period we're in now, or are they truly finally seeing that, you know what, we haven't been fair we don't have diversity and inclusion we're not giving people the tools needed and another thing to add on to your answer list how can they become proactive what do they need to do what do they need to set up yes i think companies are 100 percent being reactive <laughs> i mean they're being because just imagine um someone says something and you're getting all your shareholders calling you and saying what what just happened? Like we we don't we we're not we gonna pull out money. This needs to be addressed right away. So even when you're dealing with your shareholders, um, you even have to think all the way to your shareholders, the people that are investing in your companies. Do they understand your accountability process? It's so important. So yes, right now to ask the first questions, companies are definitely being reactive. Um, and is there a process that a company can go through to ensure that? they have a fair and equal process because again you have certain people that assume because again if we if we say that companies should do like a retraining phase as soon as someone says something discriminatory then how do the black people might feel if somebody uses the n-word and we're like we're going to put them through a retraining process and they can come back on air no one's going to have that and vice versa with other communities someone says something that's offensive to women or the asian community and not only that I think that we also pick and choose. A lot of companies or organizations might pick and choose what is super offensive, right? So it might be super offensive to say something against the African-American community, the Jewish community, the Asian community, but you guys don't keep the same energy when it's something in regards to women. Or you don't keep the same energy when it comes to someone from the LGBTQ plus, you know, IA of sorry, community. Like it's, it's, it's a pick and choose. So it's going to be important that, again, as you're reorganizing, right, because, again, if we think about the generation of the now, you really have to look at the shape of those generations and what they came up around. A lot of them came up around the time of segregation. A lot of them came around the time where, listen, you know, you being here and y'all being here and y'all talking crazy, like th that separation was um, the norm. Now we're shifting into a new generation where there's an expectation for diversity. There's, a, there's an expectation for now accountability. So there's these different expectations that's required now that a lot of companies are going to have to go back and really start looking at their processes, those institutional processes, and start identifying like, okay, when we come out with this diversity, inclusion, and equity process, they're going to have to talk to their shareholders about it. They're going to maybe have to cut ties with certain shareholders because those shareholders might not fit the values that you're trying to move forward with. Um, because, again, a lot of people will stay in relationship with people because of money. But again, if the clients that are buying the tickets, that are going to the games, that are investing, that are actually um, purchasing your products, if they see otherwise and you have a shareholder that, yes, they bring in that million dollars in and they're investing, but their values don't align. So long term, will it be better for you to let go of that shareholder? Like, you know what? This ain't going to work. This is just not going to be a good partnership. So I think, again, a lot of companies are going to have to go back and restructure 
really look at their company values, really look at their accountability process, sit in their board meetings and break down and saying, this is how we want to go about making these shifts. Start making their boardrooms and their executive and their C-suite teams more diverse because now you have voices in those communities can speak to, okay, I know you guys want to address this area, but not this area. So this is how this might um, this might look from our perspective. Let's have somebody in there from the Jewish community in there. Let's have a woman in there. Let's have someone from the African-American community. So when you are coming out with these new values and these accountability measures, you guys can really have a deep, great conversation about how to move forward. But it's really going to be a step-by-step process that a lot of companies are going to have to do versus just pushing out a statement to make sure that their shareholders, their stakeholders, their board members are all on board. So when they officially roll it out, it's no backlash in the different layers. Like you guys came out with this statement, but you never talked to the shareholders or you talked to the shareholders, but you never told your team members or your leadership team. So it is going to have to be a process of going through and really look at the institutional practices making changes so now you can be more proactive and reactive. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. Wow, I can't believe I dropped two books. And the reason why I did that is because I didn't want to just show you the external work. I wanted to show you the internal work. Yes, the steps that I had to take for me to show up as a better leader because I wasn't really that good at it because a lot of the things that I was doing was because of my internal issues. So I need you to go to my website, AishaThomas.org backslash shop and grab a copy of The Trendsetting Woman and then Leader Set Trends to get those applicable steps so what you need to do to do that internal work and then the steps you need to do so you can show up better externally. So go to my website now, AishaThomas.org backslash shop and go grab a copy and make sure that you give it to someone as a gift. And that's good, Aisha. That is very good of stepping through, trying to figure out, okay, how do we change? Because that might be the question. How do I now take my organization from where it is to where it needs to be. And for Viacom CBS, what do we have in place for our employees to retrain them so that now this Nick Cannon thing won't happen again? And honestly, from my perspective, I would have not fired him. I would have sidelined him. We remember in back in the sixties when the honorable Elijah Muhammad told Malcolm X, don't speak on, the president's assassination. Don't speak on it. Malcolm X said, you know what? Chickens come home to roost. He spoke on it. He was sidelined. He had to take some time off, no ministering, no face, no anything. We got to distance ourselves from you for a little while, let you go back through the process, and then you can come back. For these organizations, I think firing happens so fast because they don't have that process in place to retrain you on what you said. So let's just get rid of you. <laughs> and then if you can come back later, because now I did read on Nick Cannon's part that he issued an apology and he said, I must apologize to my Jewish brothers and sisters for putting them in such a painful position, which was never my intention. But I know this whole situation has hurt many people and together we will make it right. Now, right after he put that out, he said that he added or it added that he tried to reach out to Viacom CBS chair, Sherry Redstone, who is the, like the chair, the owner, 
an assertion that via Viacom CBS called absolutely untrue. But I've seen recently now they're talking about perhaps having a conversation around bringing him back. So as an organization, as a company, when you're creating your values, your mission statement, your purpose, you know who your target client is, your audience. As you create those repeatable systems and processes, those standards, start to build in your leadership development, your diversity and inclusion. And don't think of it as a negative. It's not, oh, I got to do something else for other people. No, the more diverse your base is, the more perspective you have, the more innovation you'll get. And as you continually develop them, they're going to become an asset. And assets don't want to leave a great home. Liabilities, <laughs> they'll go, they'll, they, they will quit. But if you truly pour into your people, you will begin to create a culture, company culture, that's positive and that helps you grow. And even if someone makes a mistake, we're not asking for perfection. You will have a system in place to be able to train or retrain them. I know in the military, you go through certain things, you get some articles, you go through a retraining process. In companies and corporations, you don't do the job right, you go through a retraining process. Let's do the same for our unconscious biases, for our opinions that may not be popular. Let's have some kind of training in place that will have us more aware. And real quick, before I throw it back over to Aisha, I watched a show called Hacking Your Mind, and it talked about unconscious and implicit biases and how it's not because a person's racist. It's not because they're mean or hateful. It's because they have been conditioned by being surrounded by their close tribe that they don't even, they're not even aware that making unconscious decisions about other people because that's just how the brain has created and operates we're not even recognizing it. So don't think of diversity, equity, and inclusion training as a negative thing. Think about it as a way to bring light to things you don't even realize. And you can't do that. If you're on the inside of the box, you can't read the label on the outside. You need a team, someone that is trained in biases to help you read that label, get your people outside the box, and start thinking in a different direction. That's good. And I mean, and it's needed on in all tiers because, you know, just like I did a training for some business leaders and I talked about we even sometimes can take our biases with our clients. You get on the phone with someone or you see someone walk into your store and you already assume that they're not going to tip or they're not going to buy. And, you know, and it's just based off of how they look or it might be their skin color or it might be because maybe, you know, three weeks ago, somebody that looked like them had, you know, you had a bad experience with them. So we make all these assumptions. And again, we have these downloads that are in our unconscious that now it's showing up in how we we support our clients. And now you don't even realize as a leader, it's showing up how you um, support your team. So you might gravitate towards certain team members versus another team member. And, and it has nothing to do with 
their race, it has to do with their behavior style, right? We talk about the disc. This might be, this person might be an introvert and they're like probably really uncomfortable like myself in environments with a lot of people and you see their face or you see them in the back corner and you assume that they're stuck up or they don't like to interact. No, right? actually right now I have anxiety because I have all these strangers in the room and I'm, I'm actually extremely shy, right? But we make these assumptions about people based off of their race, their color, their attire, their social economic status, not recognizing that we have to truly get an understanding of people on a deeper level. So just like Tyra said, I mean, even in the military, before they uh, discharge someone for fitness, right, they have a bunch of fitness failures. It goes to multiple tiers of individuals. They review the background. They look at the documentation. Okay, when the person had this first infraction and this first failure, what happened? And even when they have the first fitness failure, there is a remedy because they've incorporated a fitness program. They call it Get Well program for them to go to. They show up maybe five days a week, seven o'clock in the morning, go work out with people. They work on their um, their running, their pushups, their sit-ups. So essentially when they take the test again, this doesn't happen again. And again, we don't think about the accountability process, but also the remedies. Okay, if somebody does this, what's phase one of the accountability process? Okay, what's phase two? Once we get to phase three, okay, you've done this enough times where now you have to get booted or also create the accountability process where these group of things immediately you're immediately fired. Like for instance, if you have a, a drug test that you become positive for marijuana, you don't get no say in that. You are going to be discharged from the United States Air Force, okay? Period. So there are going to be things that you're going to have to create that you'll have the tier tier one, um, you know, discriminatory things, tier two. And I know it might sound crazy to say that, but again, it's going to be important that you create an accountability measure and a process so you're not reactive. You're really... <laughs> He's back. He's back at the end. Do we <laughs> have something? Uh, you just going to mess up my flow. No, but because you're not reactive, you're proactive in your measure. So it's going to really come with you coming up with the process. So I don't know what, Corey, what part you're going to jump in on because you're just jumping in. But what we were talking about just now is the process that a lot of organizations need to go through to embed a process. Um, an accountability process and also not maybe um, where they're just firing someone immediately, but maybe like some measures that the person has to go through. Tyrus used the example of what happened with Malcolm X when he spoke on the assassination, right? He said something, they were like, all right, you need to no more FaceTime, you need to take a break, you need to sit back because this was the company process, right? We said this shouldn't happen, you said something, so now we're gonna kind of sideline you. So identifying when is it time to sideline someone have them go through a process of remedy so they can go back on camera, so they can go back to the role and responsibility they have. And then what happens or what kind of process should be in place where, hey, I'm sorry, what you did is just at a point where we just have to let you go all together. So why those accountability measures are important. I think it I think it starts with I think it starts with the problem I just had, right? Like sometimes you just gotta stop and restart. Right. And so for them, it's like what so and I know y'all. I know y'all probably gave some heat. Well, I couldn't hear here, but having place to understand, like, look, even though he might have said something wrong, even though you know this might be a bad PR move optically, this is not. This is not what we're talking about. Like, what? What's the thing, or what's the lesson that we can learn from this? Right. So we talked about it last week. There are certain things that we think that Ellen are gonna. It's just gonna turn it into a good light, right? So that process in place for them is how do we then take this mishap 
right? Nick Cannon saying something that we didn't necessarily agree with. We had to go ahead and get rid of him. Um, could they have taken it to a spot where they said, you know what, we don't like what he said, but let's shed light on it, right? I think we, we're, we're in this cancel culture where we always just, something bad said, you're out of here. You did something wrong, you're out of here. You tweeted something wrong, you're out of here. We have to start taking these situations and saying, how do we turn that into a good light, right? How do we turn that right around? And uh, I'm thinking about the hokey pokey right now, right? Like you, you, you put your whole self in and then you turn yourself around, right? And then you put something in place to say, you know what? That was bad that he made the comments. Even if you got to get rid of him off the show, right? It was bad that you made the comments. Nick Cannon himself, you know what? I'm sorry that I made these comments. He then went on the show. Uh, that was one of the measures that he had to take was he went on the sh- he went back on the show. He got somebody involved that could educate him, right? You know, w- those are the types of things that you have to put in place to say as a company, yes, the, the action was made. Yes, the thing was done. Yes, the words were said. The tweet was sent out. The social media post was given. How do we spin that into a light to show you that as I had to stop and restart my computer, right? Sometimes you got to stop and restart your company. Like sometimes you got to stop and then say, moving forward, this is what we're going to do, right? This is the plan in place. A lot of companies nowadays, we stopped. Let's put this ERG group together, right? That way we have these chairs and co-chairs and allow these people to be able to to voice their opinion and and have people, you know, be heard, right? You go to other companies, it's like, hey, we didn't even have diversity inclusion training before that. Like, let's let's go see who we can find to be able to help us out, to be able to facilitate this, right? Like those are the types of measures that you have to not don't even think about. Oh, my God. Uh, and I, the term that I always used to use was don't put lipstick on a pig because you don't want to just be like, oh, well, to, to cover this up, we got rid of this person to cover this up. We're no longer doing this or we're no longer streaming this or showing this. Right. Don't put lipstick on a pig. Right. It's still a pig at the end of the day. What you want to do is then say, you know what? I took this situation and look, look how we let it blossom. Right. We turned the pig into a rose like now. Now it's growing. Now it has, you know, beautiful flowers. Now it has, you know what I mean? Whatever that thing is for you, you've taken that situation and then you've turned it into how do I create awareness, right? If you want to talk about your bottom line, if Viacom, for example, says, you know what? Um, that, that comment was made. I didn't agree with it. We had to get rid of him, you know. But in the midst of that, how do we then shed light on and educate more people on the, yes, we didn't agree with the comments that he made, but let's go ahead and educate people. What, who can we put in place, right? Can we have necessarily, although, um, you know, we're not partnering with Nick Cannon anymore, can we put something in place, an educational video, a movie, a short film, um, you know, a TV show out or something that will shed the light on what he was talking about wasn't necessarily correct, and I'm not saying that we're doing it to bash him and drag him down, down on the ground, right? But what we're doing is taking a situation where other people might be thinking this thing, right? Deshaun Jackson in the NFL, he said, this, he said similar things about the Jewish community and the, the backlash was on him that he came out and said, hey, I'm sorry. He actually went to the Holocaust Museum with Julian Edelman, who's, uh, who's, who's part of New England Patriots. They went and educated him on what that really looked like for them growing up, like what it really looks like for them today. But then he spun it into a light and then he started tweeting, man, I didn't know about this. I didn't know that the Holocaust really got that deep, right? I didn't know that, you know, back in Germany, it really was like this, right? I didn't know that these things went on in the Jewish community, right? I've had friends where I have Jewish friends myself 
And I'm like, we kind of sound like we had the same life for some reason. Like it's just, it's crazy because they have similarities to other people, right? Like we single out these cultures and races and stuff like that and act like they just, that we don't have the same experiences in life. We just might've had it in a different environment. Like we just, we were just 7,000 miles across the ocean and had the same experience. It's okay, but shine the light on it. Do something positive behind it. And don't just say, hey, we cut ties with them. Ellen, we cut ties with those three people. What are you gonna do and what process and measure in place do you have to, to be able to uplift and to be able to show the people what exactly it is that you that you can learn and shine light on from it. Yeah, that's really good. And what happens is when they cut people so so quickly, it always lends the question in the back of your mind is like, are you covering up? Like you said, are you really hiding something? Do you really want to usher in change? Do you really want to do something different? Or do you just want to put the fire out and continue status quo? Because when we look at these organizations, and we talked about this last week with the equity part, okay, we're going to cut out this person. We're, we might add another position, but then does that position still have power? And as we get ready to wrap up and as we start to pivot, do we think, well, before we go to the rise or fall, I just have to ask this question because it's something that I always think about with ownership and equity host especially those of color and women when they don't own their shows but they are the driving force behind it the creative mind are they being exploited when we look at these companies as an overall they have a lock on the industry they're rarely rarely any black owned woman owned other minority owned companies out there and even with when you have money, it's a different story. I Master P said, you know, I wanted to get my film, my movie out there, but and I made all these calls in Hollywood and nobody wouldn't return my call. I got my own money. I'm not asking them to fund anything, but they wouldn't call. But I called one of my white friends. He made a phone call and the doors opened up. So when we talk about ownership and equity, do we feel like sometimes and it's, it's true or false? Are host of color being exploited or we just may not know the right things to do in order to get that ownership like we should have? What do you guys think? I think it's a combination of both. I mean, I think that they're um, there. They're, you know, I, I watched a video and it talked about, um, yeah, you know, rappers can talk about, you know, um, um, the same crime in the same community, but as soon as you mention anything about popping mollies or you know uh, sexual assault, oh, we can't talk about that, but you can talk about killing each other. Um, so I think that there are some companies and organizations that know what sells, essentially. And, and let me even go back because it's about what sells as well. So we can talk about exploitation, but if people are purchasing it, they're buying it, they're still following Takashi Six Nine. OK, they're still, you know, about, you know, listening to the same type of songs that talks about this and exploiting women or whatever they're talking about. Right. Because it all ranges. Then if the consumer is buying it, that CEO or that person is like, well, this is what the people are purchasing. I need to make money. So, of course, I'm going to continue to 
usher in those rappers or usher in those voices that are going to keep on talking about this because this is what the consumer wants to buy. And I think as consumers, um, we also have a responsibility as well to make sure that if we want to have certain type of um, things that we want to expose our families and our children to, we have to really be conscious, conscious of what we're purchasing and what we're listening to. Now, on the other side, yes, I think the education um, for a lot of these minority companies or people that want to enter in these spaces, there is more education that's needed. And thank God for platforms. I know Diddy had an event. There's a lot of companies out there. I mean, we're all connected because of Eric Thomas. Um, they're opening and they're ushering in information towards those communities uh, because that's, you know, that's the audience that kind of gravitates towards them to educate them about ownership. And shout out to Tyler Perry. I think he broke the, grass, uh, the, the glass ceiling as well because he was able to create something and have a whole studio that people can shoot films. And he is a African-American individual. So you're talking about a, a portion of equity. Equity is required. It's needed. But then the consumer from those communities also need to make some shifts and changes and say, you know what? Let's start pouring more money into this individual because we know by pouring into money and if Master P was to create a Master P uh, studios, right? I like that. Uh, studios, right? <laughs> We're going to invest our dollars, right? So if you're someone that can sit on the board and you're a Diddy, you're someone that has all this money and you're in the African-American community, okay, let's pour money, let's invest in this studio. And now that we invest in the studios, come out with initiative so we can have Black voices come in and create programs. So it, I think it's a consumer. The consumer drives so much. And the more can, the consumer can drive their dollars elsewhere, now we can have more buying power, more say power to say, we would no longer stand for this. We're going to invest in this individual. So when they build up, we can start driving our business there and our traffic there. And now everyone else is going to have to show up and um, come in line with that. That's good. That's yeah. And so for me, one of the thing, one of the things I want to think about, like when we make these statements of like Nick Cannon talked about how like the Jewish community, you know, they own X amount of banks and they control all this money and all this stuff. Right. Like we always have these conversations, but we never talk about solutions. Right. And so Nick Cannon is someone who is a creator. He's a businessman. Like he has these shows. He's written music. He's produced music. A lot of people. A lot of people, I think about the old Dave Chappelle skit where it's like, Nick, you're like Nick Cannon was lame or whatever they said with it, right? Uh, whatever they said about him. But it's like at the end of the day, Nick Cannon generates money, right? Wild and Out probably has done how much money over the years? Like that thing was, I, I might be telling my age uh, how young I am, but that, I mean, I remember when Wild and Out first started and I wasn't that old. And now it's like, it's still running and I just hit 30 years old, right? Like, a lot of companies, they don't, a lot of shows don't last that long. And if you think about it, he just has different people on the show. They, they joke, they make, you know, make, sh take shots at each other. They do these random things that make people laugh. And it's like, it still worked time and time again, right? You've, he's written music. He was just talking uh, with Kanye West about something on another. And he said that there was one line in his, in his, um, in his music that he made. And he was like, matter of fact, I got that from you. And I was like, oh, that was one of the big lines. I can't remember the song, but I was like, that's one of the big lines in his songs, like a punchline in there. And I was like, so he got it from Nick Cannon. And it's crazy. But the thing is, we have to start talking about solutions, right? Something that I was just looking up. Um, Nick Cannon, his net worth is, is $30 million, right? So if you're going to complain about how the banks, and, and this is going back to ownership, right, Tyra? It's like, if you're going to complain about the banks, you have $30 million in, in your net worth, right? 
First Choice Bank in Georgia has $25.19 million in assets. You got more money than the bank, right? So what solutions can we get? And you don't have to do it yourself. Back in the day, I think it was, um, uh, I don't know if it was Thurgood Marshall, somebody like that. They put 10,000 of their own dollars into this bank to try to save it, right? And now the bank still stands today. So what, yes, we can talk about, man, they, they own the money, they own the dish, yada, yada. I think about Patrick Mahomes for the NFL, right? How there, there's not a lot of minority ownership within sports teams. He got a hundred and I think it was fifty million dollar uh, or something, two hundred million dollar contract. And guess what he did? He bought a part of the Kansas City Royals. If that's not money moves, I don't know what is right. So we have to stop thinking about what these are. All the issues. This is everything that that's the problem. These people own these things. These people, you know, th this particular culture, you know, runs the music industry. This particular thing. Look, you want to talk about Master P? If you have not watched the Master P documentary. Master P was the first rapper to get a, uh, I think it was 80-20 or 85-15 distribution deal, right? No one was doing that. Everybody was signing million dollar deals and the, the, the label owned all of your music and you got like five or 10% of whatever that profit is, right? He flip-flopped that. And so his, his deal was everything that he sold, he got like 85% of the profits. And then he took it from there and said, you know what? I'm just going to put out album after album after album, right? Mia X, he had Silk the Shocker. He had, if y'all don't pay attention to rap, just catch that as an artist, he flipped the game and said, I'm making a profit. So yeah, you gave me that million dollars, but how much money are you making from me, right? And so that's the point where we have to say, what is the solution to what we're trying to do? What's the solution? How do we fix it, right? If we're not, if we're not in banks that much, how do, we, how do we uplift the bank, right? It only takes one. Go put your money in one of those banks, right? Where's that $30 million or that, I mean, yeah, that $30 million that'd be a net worth. Where is that at, right? Is it in a Black-owned bank? Um, and I'm saying Black-owned bank because he, his comment was, you know, they own the banks, you know, they own the money or they control the money or whatnot. Cool. So if you want to see things uplift, put your money where your mouth is, right? Like mix the action with the leadership. Like that's the part where you have to put yourself in a situation to say, I am, I am in a position to be able to change this thing. How do we facilitate the change, right? And so, if he's watching this right now, look, shout out, shout out to Nick Cannon. Go put your, go put your money in the bank, right? Like, just don't. Let's stop talking about what we don't have and figure out what resources we do have, and then go fix that. So that's one of the things. Like when it comes to ownership, we have to understand, and 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 I wholeheartedly agree with Aisha said. We got to understand you got to own stuff, right? If you own it, you no one can take it from you. But if you are in a position to be able to uplift, you you gotta you you can't just continuously. Well, we don't own this, we don't own that. There's no there's there's none of this available to us that we can't do this. Go open it, like and there's a lot of the small businesses that we work with. There's a lot of people out there that that we talk to. Um, there's a lot of people that join each and every one of our lives and our coaching programs, right? That they say, well, what can I do? Well. You keep telling me that there's a lack of X. Why don't you go fill it? It's as simple as that. But yeah, just ownership is big. Ownership is real big. Yeah, and, and, and taking that to organizations, that just shows that you have to be proactive. You have to set and establish up your systems, your leadership development programs, your diversity, equity, inclusion programs, starting from the top, setting it in, building a corporate culture see 
Master P, man. I'm talking about when Master P came out in the 90s, I was wanting him. <laughs> All the albums, what he did was he saw, man, my community is being taken advantage of. I want more. How do I get more? He was proactive. He went and said, well, let me talk to Michael Jackson lawyer. Well, Michael Jackson lawyer said to sit down with me just to sit down is 25 G's. <laughs> and so he made a sacrifice. He didn't have that money for real. He is all he had. He made a sacrifice to say, you know what? Michael Jackson's doing it. I want to do it. And then when he did it, he went and got his people, his brothers, his family, people from his city. And he built it up to what No Limit has become today. And then Cash Money followed right in behind him and did the same thing because now the gateway is open. As an organization, when you have leadership development, DE&I training at the forefront and you're proactive and people see how great my company gets together, how great people vibe, everybody's, you know, included, everybody has a seat at the table, our talents are being used. When people look at your company, now you're the one who's setting that standard and all the other companies can begin follow suit instead of everybody playing the reactive card and catching up. Cancel culture will end your company in today's world. You don't have to go there. You can always set it up and include everybody from the beginning to have that, that beautiful atmosphere that all of these companies have in their employee handbooks. I, I don't think I ever read an employee handbook that said, well, our company just don't care about people and we're just going to do this. No, start living the words out, take action, act and lead. <laughs> and now to close it out, what do you guys think? Nick Cannon rise or continue to fall? I think he, I think he's a creator. I think, I think he's a businessman, honestly. And you get to a point in life, honestly, realistically that, when you when you know how to pivot, whether you have money or don't have money, you know, I think I think the average millionaire has gone bankrupt at least once or something like that. You know, when you when you can create and you can you can like put things in place, I think he's going to rise. I don't think there's I don't think there's anything that's going to slow him down. I think if anything, it's just going to push him further. And probably the next four or five years will be we'll we have forgotten that he ever you know, got kicked off of Wild and Out because I can see I can see his own version of Wild and Out coming out. You know, he makes a couple of tweaks and all of a sudden that's overshadowed what he had before that. Yes, yes. And um I I do think that he definitely has an opportunity to rise. One of the first things he did was educate himself. Um and I think that it's about the action that the person takes afterwards. I mean we talked about cancel culture and how people can um you know look at stuff that you said years ago, but you have to realize that people evolve and change. Who I was 10 years ago is a totally different person than who I am today. So there is a education and a learning process people can go through and just by education, getting exposed to it, getting that understanding, talking to people in those communities for them to say, you know what, I was wrong. And we have to allow people to do that as hard as it is. Trust me, sometimes I'm like, cancel them, I'm done. You know, I'm like, no. But the reality is, um, especially being someone that's of faith, there is a strong belief that people can change. It just requires them to do some education. So it all depends on what the person does afterwards. And I think when the candidate immediately 
educating himself, apologizing, and really working through, um, really learning, um, you know, from his mistake. I think that he is on the right track and he will 100% rise. Um, it's just moving forward, making sure those expectations are clear and knowing that moving forward, maybe it is time to really shift to that space of ownership. And I agree. I, I believe I give him a rise um, based on both of what you guys said. He's a creator. He knows how to create. He knows how to move. He knows how to bounce back. He then took the right steps, the right actions to correct himself and to move forward. And then he didn't lose everything. He's still on the mass Singer. So he he's still the host there. He didn't take that all the way to the just nowhere you can, no way you can come back. He's still doing his thing. He's still out there. He'll continue to rise. He will create new shows. If the thing doesn't work out with Viacom and CBS, let's be honest. Nick Cannon was wilding out. It, it is his. If they don't bring him back, it will go away eventually. They might try a new host or two, but it'll go away because the people follow him on that show. It just wasn't the show. And I'm sure that, like Corey said, he will be able to create something very similar maybe have to change the name since he doesn't own the name or, you know, get his own intellectual property, he'll be able to come back. I give him a rise. Close us out, Aisha. Yeah, so we appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, we're here every week on Saturdays, 12 Central, 1 Eastern, and that's where we're going to continue to talk about companies that hit bumps in the road. And why is it important? Because if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business leader, you're in that transition point, it's so important that you have to recognize that Bumps in the road will happen. You might have like a slip dip, right? You might not fall all the way. You might dip, but essentially there's always a way to rise again. It all just it all just depends on how you remedy the issue, what actions you take to make the shift. And now you can see yourself rising again. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, make sure you like, subscribe. I say subscribe like this is YouTube, but this will be on YouTube, right? Um, like, share this information to other leaders that um, might need this information and make sure you connect with us. Um, I know Corey has a saying that he said last week that was really dope. So, uh, you know, throw that out there, Corey. Yeah, you know, this this is act and lead, right? Like we, we mix action with leadership. Yes, yes, we mix action with leadership. So again, uh, make sure you reach out to us if you want to maybe inquire about some consulting, some coaching, hit us up at info at act. Is it actleadconsulting.com? Info actleadconsulting.com. All right. So we appreciate you guys tuning in and we will see you guys next week. I got you. It's coming. Are you ready to ignite the fire? We are Speak Fire. Oh, and by the way, that's fire with a Y. What's going on, everyone? Internal fire. Student fire. Young fire. Father's fire. Leadership fire. Champion fire. unlocking the fire within thank you all for tuning in let's grow speak fire speakfire.com speak fire with a y we have a new episode that comes out every monday at 4 a.m are you gonna be up with us deuces i want to shout out all my faithful listeners for tuning in every week and don't forget to follow me on social media at Miss Aisha Speaks on all platforms. That's M-S-A-I-S-H-A Speaks. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Turn your notifications on and leave a comment if this podcast has blessed you in any kind of way. I thank you for all your support. Many blessings to you.